This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island. It becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. What's up? This your boy, Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit tomboyx.com. Hello and welcome to Saver. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're doing another um, cookbook author profile. Yes. Profiles and deliciousness, as I like to, <laughs> as I've coined it, uh-huh. on Isabella Beaton. And it has been a long time since we've done a, a specific person-themed yes. episode. Yeah. Um, previously, we have talked about, they have names. Julia uh, Child and James Beard. There you go. Yes. Those are their names. And this is a person I had previously never heard of, but a couple of you have requested her, and it seems like she was a pretty big deal. Uh, yes. I think that anyone who has lived in the UK for any amount of time is thoroughly familiar with the character of her at any rate. While I was researching her, I opened my conversations with people who were like, what are you researching? And I was like, how familiar are you with UK cookbooks? (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps Mrs. Beaton. Uh, More people might recognize that. Yeah. But to our question. Yes. Not what is it? Who is it? Well... Isabella Beaton was a a Victorian English-era author whose work largely concerned household and kitchen management and included a lot 
of recipes. Her magnum opus was The Book of Household Management. This was a thousand-plus page tome, um, quote, comprising information for the mistress, housekeeper, cook, kitchen maid, butler, footman, coachman, valet, upper and under housemaids, ladies' maid, maid of all work, laundry maid, nurse and nursemaid, monthly, wet and sick nurses, etc., etc. Also, sanitary medical and legal memoranda, semicolon, with a history of the origin properties and uses of all things connected with home life and comfort. So it covered a lot. That was the subtitle of the book. It was like on the front page. I love it. Um, Yes, uh, this is a book about how to be a middle-class early Victorian, early to mid-Victorian era woman, um, written by someone who was actually very modern and fashionable in her time. And as such, it's just fabulously telling about what life was like for a few segments of folks back then, uh, middle-class women, certainly, but also people working as servants in that sort of household and various folks involved in food production, uh, and both colonizers and the colonized in England's empire. As the recipes included, um, some 2,000 recipes, by the way, they show how foodways were changing in this era of industrialization and the rapidly expanding technology and travel and uh, city living that went with all of that. So, a lot. Uh, Just a little bit. It's a really fascinating thing to flip through. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, very illuminating as to the time and the concerns of that time. Mm -hmm. Speaking of time, let's go back in history and talk about Isabella Beaton's history. Yes. She was born Isabella Mary Mason in London on March 12, 1836, as the daughter of Benjamin Mason and Elizabeth Jerram. Her father died when she was young, and her mother remarried a widower named Henry Dorling, who had four children from his previous marriage. Dorling was the clerk of a race course. And they moved to Epsom, Surrey, which is Harry Potter's neck of the woods. <laughs> That's everything I know. Uh, Harry Potter fact of the episode. Yes, gotta have one. <laughs> huh. For what was expected and the norm at the time, Isabella was well-educated compared to other women. She studied music and language in Heidelberg, Germany from 1851 to 1853. And during those two years, she mastered the piano and took some lessons from a pastry maker and confectioner. She participated in fitting sessions with the London dressmaker. She was getting all kinds of experience. Mm -hmm. She was also the oldest of 21 siblings. It, that's it's more than two. I can't understand it either. Good grief. I had trouble with my two siblings. <laughs> and this gave her a lot of what would become relevant experience in household management. I'm sure it did. Right? Ugh. She got her start writing in 1856 after marrying a rich publisher by the name of Samuel Beaton. From the things I read, he was a super ambitious, very high-strung individual. This is like... Old-timey gossip, but I saw that in a couple of places, that description of him. (laughs) He did not get along with Isabella's stepfather, Henry Dorling, who by this time was involved in the nascent government of Surrey, a printing business, and the National Derby Festival. Because of their rocky relationship, the rocky relationship between her stepfather and Samuel, um, their courtship, Samuel and Isabella's courtship, took place mostly via letter. 
Sam owned and edited, among other publications, a monthly periodical called the English Woman's Domestic Magazine. And Isabella started out her work for the magazine translating novels from French to English for serialization. Isabella started writing a column for it in 1857 called Cookery, Pickling, and Preserving. And apparently her first recipe was not a success. Mm -hmm. Uh, She either forgot to mention how much flour is supposed to go in or she like left out the fact that you should probably add eggs. Uh, Something was wrong with it. And her good sponge cake was not good. (laughs) And she printed an apology about it in the next issue. Ooh, an apology for a bad sponge cake. Yeah. If this was a comic book, I bet this is like the the flashback (laughs) scene to how she got her start. Like, never again. (laughs) What can I do to prevent this from ever happening again? Yeah, by all accounts, like, she wasn't really fond of or good at cooking, but she was great at writing. And uh, and the column became very popular among the magazine's readers. Off of that success, her husband got the idea for a men's-only magazine called The Boy's Own Magazine, which he launched with the help of Isabella. She also helped him expand printing Christmas annuals, guides, and dictionaries. In 1858, Isabella opened a soup kitchen to help provide food to poor children. And by 1860, she had taken over as editor of English Women's Domestic Magazine from Sam. And uh, the two of them had a kid. They were living in Pinner, which is a suburb of sorts, kind of like 12 miles outside of London. And Isabella and Sam commuted into the city daily, leaving their kid at home. She was like probably the only middle-class woman like in the first-class train carriage going in in wow. the mornings. And this about brings us to her her seminal work, the one she's most known for. Mm -hmm. But first, it brings us to a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. 
Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so yes, the book that she is most known for, as we said at the top, Mrs. Beaton's Book of Household Management, came out in 1861 when she was 25 years old. Huh. It was collected from two years' worth of monthly periodicals, published as a supplement to English Woman's Domestic beginning in 1859, including recipes solicited from readers. Isabella took these pieces from the English Woman's Domestic magazine and put them together with chapters from a doctor and a lawyer to make an 1,112-page book. Instant classic. <laughs> 60,000 copies sold in the first year. By 1868, 2 million copies Ooh. had been sold. Critics praised it, too. After this book came out, she became known as Mrs. Beaton, and it was meant to be a guide, the book was, in the rapidly growing and aspiring middle class of the Victorian era. Mm -hmm. According to John Wagner, editor of the book The Voices of Victorian England, Quote, by the 1850s, middle-class wives were expected to frugally and efficiently run their husbands' households and thus had to be skilled in such tasks as hiring, firing, and supervising servants, planning and cooking meals, dealing with tradesmen, and teaching, nursing, and disciplining children. Because many girls were no longer automatically learning these skills from their mothers, there existed a need for a practical handbook on household management, which the Beatons recognized and sought to meet. It's likely that she and Sam decided to create household management to to capitalize on this growing market more than out of like particular personal expertise. Social and economic changes at the time had given rise to this expanding and upwardly mobile middle class. And within that middle class, there is an expectation that young women um, basically be fun at parties, uh, you know, like know an instrument, know a second language, like be well right enough to carry on a conversation about contemporary arts and culture. And so instead of like just learning how to run a household as like their grandmothers might have, they were busy learning all this other stuff. People were also increasingly moving to towns and cities rather than staying out in the country. And women were more likely, therefore, to move away from home when they got married. Their lives and their households in town were probably very different than their mother's lives and households had been. So, again, like women didn't have the social support that previous generations had had. And, and people in general were becoming less connected to the sources of their food. Yeah, lots of things going on. I have this very vague memory as a kid of watching this, like, 20-minute cartoon. And it was supposed to teach you how to be a lady. But in this kind of sense, like, <laughs> oh, wow. balance a book on your head and drink tea, yeah. like, things like that. Uh -huh. And this whole, I haven't been able to remember what it was. Um but I keep, I can visualize it. I remember thinking there's no way I would ever, 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 ever be able to do that. Oh, yeah. But I was kind of fascinated by it as a, as a child. Yeah. Oh, look at these women balancing yeah. books on their heads and drinking tea. <laughs> huh. Anyway, from the book Consuming Culture in the Long 19th Century, 
Any woman who felt her position to be unimportant and useless could be persuaded by the strength of Mrs. Beaton's rhetoric. The mistress is the first and last, the alpha and omega in the government of her establishment, and it is by her conduct that its whole internal policy is regulated. Those are quotes directly from household management. Yeah. Yeah. In her opening sentence, Mrs. Beaton compares the mistress of the house to a, quote, commander of an army who attains the highest rank of the female character when she enters into knowledge of household duties. Oh, there's a lot there. Yes. Commander of an army. Huh. And that army that you are commanding, as that commander, you are the highest possible rank of all of all ladies. Yep. Not that if that's what you're into doing, that's, I mean, do it. But goodness my gracious that I'm glad for feminism. (laughs) Uh, Not all of her readers would have been able to afford a whole team of servants. But uh, the book also contained instructions for housemaids that helpfully could be carried out by the reader as well. Mm -hmm. All while, uh, A, hiding the fact um, of such a lack of help from nosy neighbors and be getting a peek at the kind of near-mythological upper-classes leisurely life. Uh, Another quote, this one's some advice from the book, early rising is one of the most essential qualities which enter into good household management, as is not only the parent of health, but of innumerable other advantages. Indeed, when a mistress is an early riser, it is almost certain that her house will be orderly, and well-managed. On the contrary, if she remain in bed till a late hour, then the domestics who, as we have before observed, invariably partake somewhat of their mistress's character will surely become sluggards. Oh, I would have been so screwed. Oh, heck. Well, (laughs) the book did place like a well-running household, sort of like a vanguard against the potential moral decay of the changing times. Very powerful stuff. Yeah. And just to go a little bit further into what was in this book, Mm -hmm. um, it had recipes. It had advice on household management, child care, entertainment, etiquette, all that stuff that we said at the top. One of my favorite things is it adds stuff about um, the validity or not of the I-O-U. Yeah. Whole bit in the legal section about that. I, I, as a child... This is terrible, and I don't agree with it anymore, but I used to give IOUs to my brothers for their birthday, but they never gave me anything. So oh, sure. At least you'd thought about it. Yeah, and if they had, like, followed up, I think they just didn't want to hang out with me because I'd be like, IOU a video game playing session, and I really just wanted to play video games. Right. And they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still remember that, brothers who don't listen to this show. Um <laughs> And one of the reasons this book was such a huge deal has to do with how it was laid out. The format of the recipes with ingredients, measurements, and instructions, cooking times and techniques, prices, and a thorough index that is commonplace to us was revolutionary back then. Oh, yeah. It was one of the first of its kind, and it changed cookbooks forever. To this day, cookbooks are laid out that way. At the time, people called the book Mrs. Beaton's cookbook. Most of the recipes were also illustrated with colored engravings on almost every page, which helped out to, you know, see what it was supposed to look like at the end. Yeah, always very helpful. She had never had to do the cooking herself, so in preparation for this book, she tested out a recipe a day, and one of the recipe names that caught 
My eye and gave me a chuckle. Boiled sea kale. Boiled sea kale. Okay. I don't know what that means. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Uh, she mainly collected the recipes from classic cookery books dating back to the 1600s, along with from a few contemporary authors. And yes, you can call this plagiarism. That's essentially what it is. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, but yeah, let's talk more about some of those recipes. Uh, half pay pudding. What? Hashed partridges. Bread soup. Collared pig's face. Ooh. Oh, I'm interested in that one. <laughs> Because I have two ideas of what it could be, and I want to know if it's one of those or neither. I, um, perhaps upsettingly, did not actually read the recipe. I just, like— You saw the name. I saw the name and was like, there you go. It's a pretty intriguing name. It is. It Mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. We'll have to investigate further. Uh, One recipe that was pointed out as being particularly interesting by a history teacher, um, one Amanda Herbert, is for mango chutney. And— Remember, this is 1861, okay? Um, And it calls for, in precise weight measurements, which was, again, new in in recipes at the time, uh, sugar, salt, garlic, onions, powdered ginger, dried chilies, mustard seed, pitted raisins, vinegar, and sour apples. Notice that it doesn't call for any mangoes because you wouldn't have been able to get mangoes in England at the time. Notice all of that spice that goes into it that, you know, which kind of defies a lot of modern stereotypes about English food and especially like older stodgy English food or what we consider that to be. Notice this is a Bengalese recipe shared during a time of enormous strife between the British and the peoples of the Indian subcontinent. The recipe text mentions that, quote, this chutney is very superior to any which can be bought and one trial will prove it to be delicious. Like, notice how this indicates that store-bought chutneys were readily available and that Beaton was also promoting, like, a homemade versus store-bought mentality, which speaks to contemporary ideas about the industrialization of food. Like, a little bit of, like, romanticism about, like, bring it back into the home. Make it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Getting back to the roots of it. Yeah. That is really, really interesting. (sighs) Um. Beaton also encouraged using seasonal ingredients over more expensive or uh, commercially preserved products and um, and of kind treatment to farm animals. Um, I had to include this quote about chickens. Oh, it's so good. Okay. <laughs> of chickens, she wrote that you can clip a chicken's wings, but you will not erase from his memory that he is a fowl and that his proper sphere is the open air. If he likewise reflects that he is an ill-used fowl, a prison bird— he will then come to the conclusion that there is not the least use under such circumstances for his existence. And you must admit that the decision is only logical and natural. That's deep stuff. <laughs> Whoa. Let, let, let chickens run free range, man. Indeed, Mrs. Beaton says. Yeah. Otherwise, they'll get depressed. I, I, yes, I'm sure. As would we all. The book also encouraged smart incorporation of leftovers into future meals, uh, providing weekly meal plans to make full use of a budget. And she also tended to include like a price per serving with each recipe and uh, labeled right at the top whether they tended to uh, be rich or like economical. Oh. Yeah. I always appreciate that stuff when it's included in recipes. Oh, totally. Yeah. I hate it when I'm like 17 items in and it's like, now add 17 pounds of saffron. And I'm like, wow. Oh, Yeah. Or the moment when you put something in the oven and you realize you forgot oh, an ingredient. Oh, jeez. I'm the best at that. 
Me too, unfortunately. It's a good thing we are on a show about food. <laughs> the science and culture, not not a cooking show. Not a cooking show, no. We never claimed <laughs> to be good cooks. Uh, Isabella Beaton's husband launched a ladies' paper called The Queen. It was published weekly, and it contained information about London's high society and social events. It also came with advice for the intended female audience. After Isabella took a trip to Paris, she was able to include articles about the French fashion scene as well. And this just about brings us to, uh, sadly, the end of Isabella's life. Um, But the book and her character would live on. And we'll get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at sandiego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from ATT Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. ATT Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit ATT.com slash hypergig for details. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Beaton died after a complication from the birth of her fourth child on February 6th. 1865. She was 28 years old. Oh, so young. Um, According to one biography, The Short Life and Long Times of Mrs. Beaton by one Catherine Hughes, it was an infection probably caused by the uh, attending doctor at the birth failing to wash his hands properly. Oof. Uh, women's health care. Let's, let's all get more of that. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, her husband attempted to keep the news of her death under wraps so he could keep publishing stuff under her name. But his attempt did not work and the news leaked out within a few weeks. Of her children, the first two died before reaching three years of age. There's a long-standing family rumor um, confirmed by some of Isabella's biographers that, um, that Sam had contracted syphilis before their marriage and passed it to 
Isabella, which could explain those early child deaths um, and also gossip that Isabella had gone through a number of miscarriages. Sam, by the way, went into a steep decline after the 1860s, facing financial difficulties and physical and mental illness, further bolstering the whole syphilis theory. Um, the English Women's Domestic Magazine got a little bit ribald. Did it really? Yeah. I will take your word for it. It's I. It's it's stuff that I honestly can't repeat on air. Ooh, <laughs> so, <laughs> my goodness. Oh, Victorians. Oh, Victorians. Their other two sons, Orchard Beaton and Mason Moss, went on to make their own successes. Orchard joined the army, and Mason went into publishing and then journalism, and then founded and became president of a paper mill called Anglo Newfoundland Development Company. During the height of war, this company kept the supply of paper for the Daily Mail stocked. Oh, good job. And the Book of Household Management, uh, Mrs. Beaton's Book of Household Management, was updated over the years, uh, first by Sam and later other editors, to include advice on uh, new household technologies, gas ovens, refrigerators. What? And to update the recipes to fit changing tastes and fashions. Uh, By 1891, there was a chapter on the science of cookery, including a breakdown of the macronutrients that people need and how much of them common foods contain. Mm. By the Edwardian era, the recipes became heavier and blander. And uh, with the changing times, the text even acknowledged that a middle-class woman might need to run her household with a minimum of servants. Just a minimum. A minimum. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. To this day, Mrs. Beaton's cookbook remains a bestseller. I read at some point it was second only to the Bible. Oof. The original version is available online as part of the public domain. And I also read in more than one place that the importance of this book cannot be overstated when it comes to authors writing something set in the Victorian era. Mm-hmm. Oh, I absolutely believe it. Yeah, yeah. If you're writing in that era, y'all, if you have not already— Please go read it. Great resource for you. While Mrs. Beaton's cookbook was revolutionary, it was not the first cookbook by far, not really even the first of its type. Um, Eliza Acton's Cookery for Private Families came out in 1845, and French chef's Alexis Soy's The Modern Housewife came out in 1851. Uh, Beaton borrowed plagiarized uh, (laughs) heavily from these without citation, um, along with works from other folks like Charles Francatelli and Elizabeth Raffold. Uh, But Sam and other editors later kept this image of Mrs. Beaton alive. Um, And although the news of her death had leaked, like publishers of future editions just generally didn't like mention it and would write prefaces for the books from her point of view. (laughs) From this increasingly like (laughs) non-Isabella... Related, like, like, kind of like, like stalwart, like, like matronly Mrs. Uh, Beaton point of view. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, after 1995, the folks who had acquired the rights to the Beaton name started licensing it to food manufacturers, and they're also still publishing under her name uh, all kinds of spinoff books: Microwaving with Mrs. Beaton, Mrs. Beaton's Healthy Eating. Is the healthy eating how she's managed to survive and keep putting out these books for so long? Oh, you got to eat your veggies if you want to concentrate on editing. I do love microwaving with Mrs. <laughs> That's It's very sweet. <laughs> it really is. 
In the year 2000, Oxford World's Classics released an edition of Household Management. And uh, this is an Oxford imprint that publishes, like, comprehensive and definitive editions of globally important literature. Mm-hmm. So I really love that it made the list. Um, the editor of that edition, one Nicola Humble, pointed out that the book, quote, tells of a culture caught between the old world and the new, poised between modernity and nostalgia of kitchens where meat is still roasted over spits over open fires, but which contain many of the commercial bottled sauces and condiments we take for granted today. Its medical chapters offer instructions for the application of leeches alongside advice about vaccination. That's so great. So wild. Um, In 2010, BBC Two aired an hour-long special uh, on the life and times of Mrs. Beaton, uh, written and hosted by Sophie Dahl. You can look that up if you'd like to. And... uh, that's about what we've got about Isabella Beaton. Our profile of deliciousness. <laughs> Case closed. Uh, fascinating stuff. Yeah, yeah. And if you if you want to read more, um, that biography I mentioned a minute ago, the name, the uh, the short life and long times of Isabella Beaton. Um, yeah, it seems like a. I haven't. I've only read passages from it, but it seems really cool. So if you're if you're into it, check it out. You know, you can go right now and grab a copy of the original book on Project Gutenberg or, you know, anything like that. It's out there for you. Mm-hmm. It's out there for you to find. And in the meantime, now that we've reached the end of this episode, it means we have reached... There's <laughs> a pinkies up listener mail. There's a pinkies up tea time listener mail. Yeah, I hope that came through. I, I'm sure it did. I have no doubt in my mind. Kendall wrote, I'm writing you just after the holidays and thought I would share a family tradition my dad started in 2001. Every year, my dad picks a country to do Christmas from. He started with a traditional Dickens Christmas and brought out a plum pudding on fire. It made quite an impression. I am sure it did. From there, he moved to different countries, including France with Les Tres or the 13 desserts. Italy features a Feast or fish, Samoa with grilled fish and a roast pig, and this year was Ireland with corned beef or box tie or box tea, can't remember the pronunciation of that, and stinging nettle soup. He also throws in information about the traditions of each country. For example, in Sweden, the country sits down at 3 in the afternoon for a Disney program of several cartoons that has played every year since the 60s. It's always a fun way to learn something new and expand our palate and, of course, spend some family time together. Aww. I love this. Yeah. That sounds so just fun. <laughs> this is like right up my alley. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, this is totally like Annie, Annie's eyes are gleaming. Yes. Maybe uh, next year I'll I'll do this with my, my friend. I don't think my family would be on board. As no. You might have gotten the no. uh, suspicion. They, they don't <laughs> like trying new things. But my friends, I, th- I could get them to go along with this. Yeah, totally. Emma wrote, I got a big kick out of hearing you guys talk about the Lacahamantash debate at the University of Chicago. As a UChicago grad, I've been to the debate a bunch of times, and I can verify that it is a great time. Although it started as a small gathering in the Hillel Center, today it happens at the school's main auditorium, and over a thousand people usually attend. Professors do indeed wear their full robes, like what you'd see them wear at a graduation ceremony, and they come up with the most delightfully wacky arguments to support their position. I've seen a physicist show videos of him launching both foods out of some sort of homemade contraption to determine which was more aerodynamic. A mathematician used fractals to transform the outline of a hamantash into a latka. 
and the theater director direct a literal rousing chorus complete with singers and dancers in favor of the hamantash. People also share personal stories, cite great philosophers, and generally go all out. The whole event is kicked off with a performance by the school's Jewish a cappella group, Rhythm and Jews. Which, which is a, a great name. Uh, but Emma reports, I was a part of, though I am not Jewish, and ends with everyone voting for which food they now believe to be the best as they leave the auditorium and then having some free latkes and hamantaschen outside. It was always one of my favorite events during undergrad. This sounds amazing. <laughs> so, so good. We have to find our way there. Yeah. I think, I mean, A, we should just go to Chicago. Yeah. Because oh. we should go to Chicago. Yes. I've never been to Chicago. Oh, I love Chicago. Yeah. It's one of my favorite museums of all time. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Which one? Okay. I, I only say this because I was speaking to someone from Chicago, and she was like, do you mean this one or this one? Because there's two very similarly <laughs> named ones. Uh-huh. I think it's the Museum of Science and Industry. But there's two, apparently, that have very, very close similar. Okay. names. It's the one that's meant for children. <laughs> But I love it. It's hands-on. You get to, like, try experiments. Heck, yeah. That's a, that's great. Yeah. There's nothing so wrong fun. with that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Also for the food at that museum, for sure. Yes. Um, more and more field trips. <laughs> We're just racking them up. Um, okay. Thanks to both of them for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at saverpod. We hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our super producers, Andrew Howard and Dylan Fagan. Thank you to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit tomboyx.com to shop. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 